so good to worship together, whether you're here in person or online too. But I hope you all know we still have a few days of summer left. I know it's August 1st, but don't miss the incredible beauty all around. The, our, the white hydrangeas, awesome. And so grateful. Like, God, you're such an amazing creator, right? And I hope we are all refreshed today. We're in a message series called Fresh, and I'll share on fresh faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, it gives us such confidence to know you will speak to us through your spirit. You will teach us. You will open our hearts and our minds. You will refresh us today as we focus on you and your word, as we lift Jesus higher and all that he is and all that he's done. I pray let your kingdom come today. Let your will be done today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I'm still old-fashioned, and I still read the actual newspaper, the News Gazette, and I was reading a couple weeks ago, and I had one of those, oh, no, not again moments. And uh, the reason was I was reading this column by uh, a young man, and he was talking about different troubles and trials that he'd been going through, but then he said this statement, but God will never give you more than you can handle. And I'm like... No, not again. I mean, have you ever said that or maybe heard it? <laughs> um, well, I want you to know the statement, God will never give you more than you can handle, is an outright lie. Okay? It's not true. I mean, just look at my life. God gave me my husband happy, and he's way more than I can handle. I mean, that's just proof, right? <laughs> no. no, I'm often in a more than I can handle situation. It might just be a simple one. And I like to include the Holy Spirit in 24 hours of my day, but I often leave him behind. Just a simple illustration again. Uh, this happened just uh, about a week ago. I realized I could not find my absolute favorite serrated knife and my kitchen shears. And this is a really important time of year with tomatoes and things. You've got to have good equipment in your kitchen. And so I'm like, Hap, have you seen, you know, the good knife and the shears? He went, oh, no, you, you left it at the vacation house in North Carolina. I went, no, I didn't. I didn't even take it. He's like, no, I bet you left it there. Like, no, I didn't even take it. He's really hard to handle. So, yeah, <laughs> no. So anyway, I'm getting myself just kind of in a tizzy, you know, over a stupid thing, right? And finally I go, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm turning this over to you. You're really good at finding lost things. He's really good at finding lost people too. That's another message. But, well, then about two days later, I'm emptying the dishwasher, and I noticed we have this drawer at the very top of our dishwashers. You might have it. I never use it. It's for like silverware and stuff. I forget it's there. But I hear a voice say, open that drawer. So I open the drawer. I'm like, oh my goodness, my knife and my shears. I'm like, I never use this. Hap, how did it get here? I have no idea. I'm like... Okay, that's definitely something more than I could handle. And that's, you know, that's simple. But seven years ago, when the phone rang, and my youngest son, who's 25 years old, says, hi, Mom, get Dad. I'm like, oh, Dad's outside. I've, what do you need? I'll help you. I need both of you. Oh, oh okay. What's going on? Get Dad. Okay, okay. Hap comes. 
I just found out today I have testicular cancer. That's way more than I can handle. Now, God will give us more than we can handle, but I want to make sure you know, it often isn't God giving it to you, okay? We have an enemy, we're going to talk about him, and often we get more than we can handle because of our stupid choices, okay? But nevertheless, God, God will give you more than you can handle. Absolutely. This is what you need to know. God will never give us more than he can handle. See, he's the faithful one. Oh, yes, God will give us more than we can handle. God will never give us more than he can handle. Why? Because he wants to do life in partnership with us. He wants us to walk intimately with him and his Holy Spirit, listening to him, trusting him, not trusting our own abilities, you know, like I got this. No. God will never give us more than he can handle. And we want to know how do we partner with you then, Lord, with your faithfulness. And that's what I want to speak on today, fresh faithfulness. You know, our faithfulness to Jesus, yes, but more importantly, I hope you hear me focus on his faithfulness to us. Because our faith is going to fail. But I love what Paul wrote to his disciple, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. He says this. It'll be on the screen for you. But even if we are faithless, he will still be full of faith. For he never wavers in his faithfulness to us. Like, that's astounding. <laughs> We will at times be faithless. He will never ever waver in his faithfulness to us. He's full of faith. So this statement, God will never give us more than we can handle, is often twisted from a scripture also written by Paul to the Corinthians. And this is found in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And he's detailed a whole bunch of different troubles and trials and bad choices of the Israelites. And then he says this, we all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. Just turn to the person next to you and just say, but God will be faithful to you. Yes, it's true. Now, Paul makes it very clear. Tests, trials, trouble, temptations. He said, this is normal. And I'm sorry if the TV preacher told you otherwise, but this is normal, okay? Tests and trials and troubles. We live in two kingdoms that are in conflict. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble and tribulation, but be of good cheer. He can handle it right? He has overcome the world. Okay, so this is just an opportunity for us to trust him, to, to lean upon him, to listen, to let him handle the difficulties, whether they're large or small. He will never give me more than he can handle. So I want to focus on his faithfulness, you know, not my ability to stay faithful, because he, as this text tells us, if we would read the whole thing, he will always provide a way to triumph victoriously. Wow. Some translations say he'll always provide a way of escape. He'll always give you what you need to endure, of course, with him. Why? Because he is faithful. 
He never gives us more than he can handle. I want to trust his faithfulness. So, when trouble comes, which it comes, again, to all of us every day, I, I'm just going to be vulnerable here. A lot of times, um, I forget about God. <laughs> and I try to handle it my way. Yeah, I might be feeling anxious or got a bad phone call. And you know what? I let myself have an extra glass of wine. That's not God's way of escape. Okay? You're all looking at me like, oh, no, she should be fired. Okay. No. <laughs> I don't know what you do to escape. I want you to take God's way of escape. I want you, all of us to tune into how he wants to handle the pressures and the troubles and the trials and the temptation. But in my more spiritual moments, I also do something that is not good. And I, I'm sorry, I think I've probably taught this in the past, so please forgive me. But uh, I was taught something early on in my relationship with the Lord, and it's a partial truth, okay? And it has to do with faithfulness, but it went this way. If you do blank, then God will do blank. So I don't know if you've ever heard that or ascribed to that. So I'm in trouble, right? And so if I declare God's promises, he'll fix the problem, Okay. Or if I raise my child to do this, then my kid will turn out 100% no rebellion. Well, it didn't take me very long to discover this isn't true either. Okay? And what I discovered, though, is in all of that, and I, I've lived through a lot of these, if you do such God, if, if I do such God, then you'll do that. It's, do you see what I'm focusing on? I want it to happen my way. I want the prayer to be answered the way I say, in my timing. The focus is on me and not on him and his faithfulness and trusting his way and the way he wants to handle it. Unfortunately, what has happened to me in these times when God doesn't do it my way, doesn't answer it the way I want, doesn't behave like I think he should, which just sounds ludicrous, okay? Then I'm disappointed. And dare I say, I'm disappointed in God. Now, I'm going to challenge some things today. Just hold steady, because you need to know I love him very much, and his faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds, okay? So hang with me here. I want you to know that a really important lesson of trusting God's faithfulness is learning to be disappointed by him. That simply means learning to relinquish your way, what you want, to trust his way. Now, it takes a long time to get to that place because there's so much crazy teaching out there that, like, you're afraid to give up your way because you don't know if he's going to come through. You don't know if he's going to be faithful. You don't know if he's actually a good God. But I want you to know as I've learned, you know, to be disappointed by him, actually that just means being honest with him, pouring out my heart to him, even when he doesn't act like what I want, do what I want, I've discovered, oh my goodness, he never let me down. As a matter of fact, he pulled me up and he never let me go, but I had to let go of my control. 
I had to let go of my demands. It's a whole lesson in learning to walk intimately with God and trust his faithfulness, letting go. (laughs) And it's not always that easy. I'll be the first to admit. But I think it's a really important issue to address, particularly right now. Many, many people are struggling with their faith. You know, things have not worked out like they were told they would. The formulas have not worked. And they're, they're questioning God. They're questioning his faithfulness, his goodness. God never, ever, ever lets us go. He actually never lets us down, although it might feel like it. It might seem like it. We can trust his faithfulness. Please, don't get sidetracked with what I'm not saying because he is 100% faithful, 100% good. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is a provider. He is a protector. His faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Absolutely, 100%. But it's not always my way, folks. You know, Jesus is the way. His faithfulness to me is based on what he has done on the cross and the resurrection, not on what I do or have done. And that's actually really good news. He is a faithful, faithful, faithful friend. A secret to a lifetime of faithfulness is I've learned to trust his faithfulness to me more than my faithfulness to him. (laughs) I want to be faithful, but I'm going to blow it. And yet, his faithfulness to me never, ever fails. So, how how do we hold on to him or hold his hand? How, how How do we partner with him to handle those troubles those times when it is way more than we can handle, okay? (laughs) And again, we're all going to experience that. Well, there are some lessons in his faithfulness uh, all throughout the scripture. I'm going to focus on just a few today found in Luke 22. And Luke 22 is a very long chapter, and it happens right before Jesus uh, is going to the cross. And it's full of all kinds of trouble, Okay, so Jesus has gathered his disciples together and the time is going to get much, much worse. And so he's going to give them some very clear instructions. Actually, way, things are going to happen way more difficult than what the disciples can handle. And they're going to have lots of opportunity to actually be disappointed in Jesus. Yep, you want to know why? Because Jesus isn't going to do things their way. I mean, they actually think he's getting ready to overthrow the Romans and establish his kingdom right here. As a matter of fact, right there in Luke 22, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Who's going to sit where? Who's going to do what? And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just a minute here. (laughs) You actually have no idea, although I've tried to tell you. And so he pulls Peter aside specifically. Peter's one of his closest disciples, and he's going to have a conversation with him that is going to reveal some important truths about God's faithfulness and our response to that. Okay, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. I love this. Jesus says, Peter, my dear friend. That's what he's saying to every one of us today. Chris, my dear friend. Charday, my dear friend. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan 
has obtained permission to come and sift you all like wheat and test your faith. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this. After you have turned back to me and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Folks, we need one another. Why? Because the enemy is real. Okay? The enemy is real. I'm not going to digress to talk all about Satan getting permission to do this and and, uh, detail all of that. But what I, I will let you know Our God is large and in charge. And that enemy is bound and he has boundaries he cannot cross. Do not focus on him. Keep your eyes on the Savior. Okay, now, what is Peter's response here? We'll come back and pick up on some of these lessons in a minute. So Jesus tells him this. You know, Satan, he's gonna, he wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to separate you from your faith in God, your trust in God. He wants to separate you. He wants to sift you, actually all of you. And what's Peter say? It's often what we say, not me, I got this. I'm a warrior for God, right? Why God, uh," he says, Jesus, I'll go to prison. I'll even die. I'll be faithful to you. And Jesus says, well, newsflash, Peter. That's actually not the way it's going to happen. Before the rooster crows this morning, you will have vehemently denied me three times. What? His faith will fail. Okay, how did Jesus handle this? How did Peter handle it? Some good lessons for us, right? Okay, let's... Let's take it apart. You're in a time of trouble. I'm in a time of trouble. I want you to know the first thing Jesus is going to remind you is we have an enemy, okay? And you know what? As he did with Peter, he obtained permission to come and sift you all like wheat and test your faith. Okay, it's normal. Again, he is a defeated foe. He's not a departed foe. He is a bound foe, okay? But our cosmos is chaotic. And what we need to know, even though there's kingdoms in conflict, our Lord is large and in charge. He is king. He is Lord. He is God Almighty. Okay. He is the faithful, faithful one. All right. You know, but if we don't have a picture of God like that, if we think maybe he's in a head-to-head battle with Satan, or maybe you don't even know Satan exists. I know I was there for, you know, five years of my Christian life. I thought, I thought my battle with infertility and my inability to bear a child was God's doing, that he was giving me more than I could handle. I didn't know that there was an enemy named Satan who brings sickness and disease and and all kinds of troubles. I didn't know that that same enemy had been defeated by the shed blood of Jesus either. No, no, no. Jesus heals Satan harms. We have a good, good God, a loving God, a faithful God. And again, what Peter doesn't know yet, and many of us do forget, is Jesus will submit to death and defeat Satan 100%, proving what? Jesus is able to handle all, including Satan himself. Okay, so don't be afraid. 
do be alert. Don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices. But that's number one. Number two, I love this one. What does Jesus say? I've prayed for you, Peter. See, to me, that just shows there is a conflict. You know, if there's no battle, if the battle isn't real, why doesn't Jesus just control it and make sure everything's okay? No, no, there's a real battle. Jesus is praying for Peter. He's praying that Peter will stay faithful no matter what. That's the same prayer Jesus is praying for all of us. But often we protest like Peter. Why? Well, Peter's still expecting Jesus to defeat the soldiers who came to arrest him. That's Peter's way. And instead, what happens? Jesus disappoints him big time. Jesus is arrested, dragged off, tormented, put on a cross. And a mixture of fear and confusion fill Peter. And he does say, and in the Greek it indicates, he doesn't just say, I don't know the man. He goes, I don't know the blankety blank guy. He curses. His faithfulness to Jesus has failed big time. What's an important lesson right here? Just hang with me. I want you to know that faithfulness to Jesus does not mean our faith will never falter or never fail. There will be times when Jesus doesn't always do what we think he should do, okay? Not my way. You know, I didn't get the job. My son is still estranged. We didn't recover the money. My church doesn't address my needs. There's actually parts of the Bible I don't like. I mean, there's uh, hundreds of different ways. <laughs> All depending on, you know, our unique situations. We're disappointed, maybe even angry. Maybe even consider, you know what? I don't, I don't even know if I know him anymore. It's so heavy on my heart right now. The thousands of people who are leaving, not just the church. I can kind of understand that in some ways. But they're leaving faith entirely. I mean, some say, oh, I, I still love Jesus. No, if you don't love the church, you don't love Jesus because the church is his body. Okay? So, so many people, they've been disappointed. They're doubting. They're actually deconstructing their faith. You, you can read about it all over the place. They, they always post the famous people who do it, and that, you know, does nothing but discourage. I don't ever, ever, ever mind if someone is doubting or is disappointed or wants to dialogue or deconstruct. I want to pray with you. I want to hear your heart. I want to help you reconstruct. I want you to know his faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. I was talking with one of my sons, and we've had a lot of discussions in our family about deconstruction. I mean, they're all young, and they're friends. You know, their friends are leaving faith. I know, I mean, one of my sons, this is another one, uh, one of his very close friends, I mean, they endured one of those unspeakable tragedies. You know, the baby boy they prayed for after four awesome girls, that baby is healthy and happy and two months old dies from crib death. That's way more than anybody can handle. But they chose to leave the faith. 
I, I, I don't walk in their shoes, so I, I, I'm not judging them. I'm just saying, I know this is real. The other son, because we've had a lot of discussions about this, uh, he said, you know what, Mom? There's a lot of things I don't understand. There's a lot. I mean, God is big, right? And he's mysterious. I don't understand all the ways that he works. But, Mom, I know this. At my age of 42 with four kids and pressures coming at me from all sides, I know this. Life goes better with Jesus. I'm like, yes, life goes better with Jesus. (laughs) You know, in tough times, Jesus is continually praying for every one of us. And this wasn't just a one-time event here with Peter. What I love, Paul writes in Romans, and he tells us so beautifully in Romans 8, 34, Jesus is continually praying for what? For our triumph. So that we're leaning on him and Partnering with him for whatever the trouble. And of course, he not only prayed, he paid for our triumph. Colossians, I love 2.15. Jesus at the cross disarmed the demonic rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And Jesus' triumph is our triumph. He never gives us any more than he can handle. I love that. You know... Satan will desire. He wants to separate all of us from our love for Jesus. And he has a million different ways to try it. But I want you not to focus on that. I want you to focus on what Paul went on to say. There's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. His love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. That's the truth. That's the prayer our faithful Savior is praying on our behalf and just waiting for us to listen to how he wants to handle whatever it is that's challenging our faith, whatever it is that's challenging our own faithfulness. And then, of course, no matter how far we drift, no matter like really how far down or out, I want you to know he is a seeking Savior. He leaves the 99 to go get the one. He comes after us. He went after Peter. He went after Peter. After he, you know, resurrects, redemption is available. He restores Peter. It's beautiful. It's detailed in John 21. And it's all about how much love he has for Peter and how much he's going to trust Peter now to turn and strengthen his brethren and declare the faithfulness of Jesus. Oh, Jesus redeems and he restores even when we fail. Secret to a lifetime of faithfulness? Trust his faithfulness to me more than my faithfulness to him. You know, I love so much of the Psalms talk of this. Psalm 36 is one of my favorites where he says, Your unfailing love, O God, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. I'm blessed. We have a backyard swimming pool have for many years and every morning I'm out there swimming laps and I look up at the sky and I go oh God your unfailing love reaches you know beyond the heavens your faithfulness beyond the clouds and I just look and that creation testifies to his faithfulness he will never 
give me more than he can handle. I can trust his faithfulness. I mean, I look out. I know a lot of your stories. I know the troubles. I, I know the challenges. I know the unresolved things. I actually know the disappointments in many of our lives. Quite a while ago, when uh, my 18-year-old cousin was tragically killed in a car accident, I shared with an older, wiser mentor, I said, I, I, don't, think, I don't think my faith can endure this kind of stuff. You know, I, I, this is just... Like, it, it causes everything within me to just question and, and be afraid. And she goes, first of all, she didn't say, oh, die. If you, if you commit to pray every day, nothing will ever happen to you. Or just declare the promises of God and everything will be great. I'm so glad she didn't say that because actually that's not true. Are his promises true? Absolutely. All his promises are yes and amen. But let him handle it his way, not my way. Okay. But she said to me, Di, first of all, stop comparing yourself to other people. Don't look at their triumphs. Don't look at their tragedies. What you need to know, whatever is ahead for you, God's grace will be available for you. And at that, I'm here to say many years later, that is 100% true. Now, sometimes I couldn't see it. Sometimes I couldn't find it. But what you need to know, his empowering presence, his Holy Spirit always there to help me navigate navigate whether it's a child's cancer it's a teenage son's rebellion it's a church member betraying uh, you, it's all over the map God's faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds he is faithful to provide so when those troubles come <laughs> I'm trusting the Holy Spirit even if it takes me a little while to remind me, you know, we have an enemy. He just wants to get you mad at your husband or he wants you to shake your fist at God or whatever it is, okay? We have an enemy, a defeated enemy, but a real enemy. And then I just humble myself and I say, I can't handle this. Lord, this is way more than I can handle. He goes, that's right. Now let's do this together because nothing is more than what he can handle. And I do often join Jesus in prayer. He's faithfully praying. I, I do this almost constantly. My, my granddaughter, a couple years ago, was held up at gunpoint in Chicago. And I knew it was going to be a, a long journey for her to recover from that trauma. And I committed to faithfully pray in the spirit. I don't know how to pray with my own words. That's why praying in tongues is just so essential. I could join Jesus knowing he's play, praying in complete harmony with the Father's will. Yes. And it was so much fun now, a year and a half, almost two years later, to celebrate with her at her high school graduation and see the smile on her face. And not just because of my prayer. She had a lot of other help, whatever God provided. Getting ready to head off to an awesome Christian college with an art scholarship. I'm like, Lord, you're so faithful. But he does it his way. I have to let go of my way. And that's scary. It feels like, oh, what will be will be. It's not a what will be will be. It's he will be faithful. I don't really like poetry. 
I mean, just a confession. But I tell you that because I'm going to conclude today with a poem. And I stumbled across this poem. It's an Australian poet in, named David Tenson. And I, I liked the, the name of the volume. It was called The Wrestle, Poems of Divine Disappointment and Discovery. Then I opened up and the poem that spoke so so strongly and profoundly to me was called Kind of Way. And the poet is talking to God. And so just uh, listen, it will be up on the screen, but I'm going to read you this. And I pray the Holy Spirit speaks the truth uh, of this and you don't get sidetracked with, you know, questions. Okay. I know that you know, so I should probably confess it not because it's a bad thing, but because it's normal and necessary to admit you've disappointed me and continue to, although I don't mind as much now. Still, there were many times I prayed, followed the rules, gave my two mites, did all the things I would told would work, and others certified with charismatic conviction to do more, give more, faith more, sacrifice more, lots more, but still nothing. No breakthrough like I believed, like I prayed for. I underestimated you. I wanted to believe you were containable, constrainable, and reliable in the my way kind of way. The magician, hitman, slot machine, deal maker, earth shaker, genie in a bottle kind of way. Then I recalled that on a dark but necessary day, you took yourself and my kind of way and the cosmos to a cross. Then you went missing for three days and my world fell apart and all my hope exhaled to forsaken surrender and my heart broke, my dreams broke. My kind of way kind of died again. And there you were, alive, in the same but not really, a resurrected form of you that even took familiar friends by surprise. And that's what you keep doing to this day. You keep failing and disappointing me in the best kind of ways. I mean, every time I think I've got you where I think I need you, you disappoint and disappear and turn up incognito <laughs> on a familiar path at a regular meal in an average garden with a spark in your eye that demands my attention and you invite me again. Put my hand in your side, embrace you and kiss you and get to know you again in a new kind of way. Well, Father, you will never give us more than you can handle. Help us today to let go and know that you are holding on, that you'll never let us down. Even when it seems like it, you're holding us up in your kind of way. Amen. Thank you for spending time with us today. You can find more content like this at vineyardlive.us. There you'll find conferences, training, and worship. You can check it out at vineyardlive.us.